Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Guys, to Conspiracy Normal, it's your host Adam. I am uh, back, uh, flying solo. Serfiel is working on his music project. Still, he will be back next week. But we have with me um, as a guest. I guess you know he can uh, sitting in as well, uh, Mister AP Strange. How's it going, man? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is going to be an interesting kind of show tonight. Uh, you hit me up about uh, coming on and talking about this, and this is something that I've been, I've been wanting to do for a good long time, and that is um, conspiracy theories, I guess, slash the paranormal dealing with Elvis, and just kind of like a fun kind of thing, because when I was like a little kid in my, I don't know, uh, preteen, early teens. That's when the whole big like Elvis is alive craze was going on. And yeah. you had all these like Elvis impersonators and uh Dred Zeppelin, of course, if you're familiar are you familiar with oh, yeah. a uh Led Zeppelin reggae cover band that has an Elvis impersonator singer. Like a uh, three hundred pound Elvis impersonator yes. singer. Oh uh, it yeah, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Back in nineteen ninety one there were these TV specials that came on called uh, the one was like, I think the Elvis conspiracy or like the Elvis files. It may have been one. I think the Elvis files was first and the Elvis conspiracy was the second one. This is like the most useless knowledge you can possibly know, but posted by Bill Bixby posted by Bill Bixby, who actually, I think was in at least one or two. I know one, he was in Clambake with Elvis, uh, but he might have even been in like two other movies with Elvis. So um, he hosted it. And this was like the craziest stuff of like um, basically looking back on it now, which when I was a kid, young teenager, I had not seen this, uh, but was uh, UFO cover up live that I've talked with, with um, Aaron Gullius and uh, just recently, I think with Adam go rightly, we talked about the UFO cover up live 
Right. That's and, what made me hit you up because yeah. you mentioned the Elvis thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, you got to do an Elvis episode. <laughs> so, so the Elvis files, Elvis conspiracy, those two episodes, those two shows were actually uh, direct ripoffs of UFO cover of live. Okay. Because it was the same kind of format. You had the experts talking about Elvis. Um, I, I think even at one point, I was watching it a little bit of it like a couple of weeks ago and Bill Wicks Bixby was talking to some guy with the last name of Geller. And I don't think it was Yuri Geller, but it was, it, it might've been like his brother or something, maybe his brother, Bob or something like that. And, uh, he really, um, it was really the same kind of thing. You had this lady, which I think we're going to talk about her tonight that uh, was really big on the whole Elvis mythology and the Elvis is alive stuff and equating Elvis also with UFOs. Um, she was also on that saying that Elvis was going to come back as like a, like a spiritual leader and all this type of things. These are the things that I remember. I wish I recently watched it again with my dad and just like laughed all the way through this, this thing. Yeah. I watched it with my wife recently and we were having yeah. a good chuckle over it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, ama- it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, yeah. And I mean, I thought it would be a good thing to talk about too, because um, it seems like everything old is new again with a lot of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that era, we got a lot of the same kind of UFO stuff popping up, like Adam Gorightly was talking about. And it looks like the satanic panic may be coming back. So why not Elvis is alive? You know, <laughs> we could talk about Elvis. <laughs> so right, um, right. The, the Geller you mentioned, that's Larry Geller. He was Elvis's hairdresser. Ah, okay. I guess no, I guess there's no relation. I don't to, think so. To, to Yuri? Okay. No, I think Larry, uh, well... Larry Geller was born in Israel, and uh, I think Larry Geller is born in America. So I don't. Okay. Okay. Unless okay. their parents, I don't, I don't know that they're the same age either. But yeah. he actually has a pretty interesting story because um, he, along with uh, Jay Sebring, started a, uh, a hair salon oh. for men in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it was like the first, uh, one of the first, like specifically men, men's hair for Hollywood stars and stuff like that. Um, and then when he met Elvis, he got, he, he and Elvis got along about a lot of occult interests, like, uh, numerology and yoga and, and new agey ideas. So Elvis hired him on as his personal hairdresser and he just toured with Elvis and did his hair for all the shows and stuff like that. But also the whole time he was, he was teaching him stuff about, uh, you know, the occult, at least like in the sixties and seventies, new agey kind of sense. So uh, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty central figure to stuff that I was looking at, um, and when he appears in that special, he's he's very decidedly on the uh, Elvis is in fact dead because <laughs> he was at the funeral, um, and that was one of the clues to, that people would point to is that he was uh, gluing down Elvis's mutton chop in the in the uh, in the in the casket. So like his sideburn, it was supposed to be a wax dummy and the sideburn was coming off and he glued it back on. And he uh, makes a point in that TV special of saying what he was doing was applying a little bit of mascara to cover up a few like gray hairs <laughs> in his sideburn. But yeah, you know, he's a, he's an interesting character. Um, and uh, uh, um, it's good, good to bring him up on that. Um, he introduced Elvis, like I said, to the numerology 
particularly a book called Cairo's Book of Numbers. I believe it's pronounced Cairo. And you just happen to have it sitting there right with you. I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I ordered a copy of it because this apparently was the book that Elvis referred to when he made all his decisions. Um, Geller Mm -hmm. was the one that introduced him to it, but he got heavily into numerology after that. Mm -hmm. I think I think a lot of the the stars of that time period. I think they really got into a lot of that because uh, the new age was just like uh, burgeoning at that time. I mean, he had like some real like delusions of grandeur. Like um, one of the Memphis Mafia guys in the documentary that I saw was saying that he had like one point said that uh, I'm going to make the sun come out of the clouds and he, like put his hand up or something. And like, you know, sure, sure enough, like the clouds parted, you know, incidentally, but I mean, if it's a partly cloudy day, that's probably going to happen. But like, you know, uh, he really had some like, you know, he, he, he kind of had a lot of issues towards the end of his life or, you know, what's supposedly the end of his life. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it might be a product of what fame does to you for one thing too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when you think about it he was the first rock star you know uh the, they call they called him the king of rock and roll but uh the the kind of celebrity he enjoyed was unprecedented when he when he was starting out at a at a pretty young age so uh it's something i've thought about a lot just being a fan of music and having been a musician myself is um is just kind of the moral and philosophical end of of what fame actually does to a person you know you always have to kind of wonder about that um so you know was he was he emotionally equipped to handle that um maybe that's why he relied on the colonel so much colonel parker (laughs) to run all his affairs or his father um uh so i mean a lot of the memphis mafia would say that he had some really weird ideas especially towards the end and and they bring this stuff up but um but even just the isolation of that kind of fame and that's that's one thing that i've run into over and over again reading about elvis and researching and in preparation for this is that uh yeah i mean you do end up pretty lonely you know it's a lonely Mm -hmm. place to be Mm -hmm. so um one point i wanted some final point about those elvis shows is that they were very much um in the uh same vein as like unsolved mysteries which was huge at the time and also i guess like something like in search of or like i think i don't think sightings had started yet but it was all the same kind of stuff and so you had these different like uh those the reenactments of the supposed sightings yes there's there's literally like one point where like the big fat elvis looking dude walks out uh, walks like into the light and shit you know so it was i think that was uh johnny hara i think is his name yeah 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 Uh, those cracked me up because one of them looks almost like a um like a bigfoot caught on video Yes. Walking yes. across a field, and you yes. see him turn, and you're just like, "This is like the Patterson Gimlin film reenactment." But with in, all, in, in fact, in fact, in Living Color, which was on the air at that time, they made fun of that. They had Jim Carrey as Bill Bixby, and he like goes to the dumpster. He like goes to like some like you know like wooded area, and like finds this 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 like this like uh, 
there's this like hunter that says like, Oh, we found some Elvis droppings just about over there. And, uh, you know, of course they find him like digging through the dumpster and then like, he's like, he like charges at him and they all like go in their car and you just see Jim Carrey just like with the microphone in his hand. It's like, we may not make it out alive. And he's just like, Elvis is a big fat dude. is just like charging the car and just like constantly bumping into it. It's, yeah. the, it's literally the best in, like, in loving color skit I ever saw. Like it, hilarious. It's, it's perfect. Cause it made fun of it so perfectly. Yeah, all those reenactments were great. Um, yeah. There's like one where somebody snaps a picture of him in the in the um, <laughs> restaurant, and it's like just the premise that Elvis faked his death, but then appears in public and dresses like himself. You know, dr- has his hair the same way and everything. Like, looks like an Elvis impersonator when he goes out to dinner. Right. <laughs> and somebody snaps right. a picture, and then people spirit him away in this reenactment. Well, it's just- this this whole mythology has been used a lot too. Like, um, in uh, Bubba, Bubba Hotep is like the best example of this. One of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, where the Bruce Campbell is playing, I guess, quote unquote, Elvis. You know, because <laughs> well, Elvis traded his life with an with an Elvis impersonator, yeah, yeah. and then the impersonator was the one that died. And it Elvis- was it was the same like fan like the same dude. I think I think it was Don Coscarelli. I think that did Phantasm yes. did that. Did, yeah. And John dies at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's talk about all this. Let's talk about so I guess where we can talk about where it starts, and let's just explore explore this whole weird just world of elvis it's so nebulous you know like right, uh, right. it's a big topic because i mean there are some things in pop culture that are just so big and have been around for so long that you're just kind of um i mean just the the amount of books about elvis alone that are out there is is crazy but uh the one i started with was and i think you referenced her already uh gail brewer giorgio's book is elvis alive mm-hmm. so um I don't have that one handy to show you and it's a podcast anyway, but <laughs> that was the one that came with a cassette tape, like a cassette tape was, was uh, attached to the cover and it was supposed to be uh, a recording of Elvis after he had died on uh, leaving a message for people. So, um, and then this, this ties into, uh, to all the Orion stuff as well. That's very much in- intertwined with that. So I know you wanted to talk about that too, because I think yeah, that's some of the yeah, early absolutely. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because um, Gail Brewer Giorgio had written a book called Orion. Uh, she based it on the life of Elvis after he died. So, like hearing about his 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 death and and then learning about his life a little bit, she claimed to have not been a fan of his really, like not a big fan. Not one of the super fans, and um, she wrote this book based on uh, the idea of a rock star faking his own death uh, after Elvis died, and it was called Orion. And then, but mm-hmm. then you started having an actual masked singer popping up that was going by the name Orion after she had written the book. So there's almost like a, there, it's it's a really entertaining read. I'm not exactly sure what to make of all of her claims. But it set her on the path of of trying to figure out um, did Elvis fake his death or not, you know. Uh, so uh, there's a Ryan. Nobody can see this, but I'm just saying. It. <laughs> there's a pretty good documentary about him. Yeah, yeah, I've 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 seen that. Yeah, his name his real name was Jimmy Ellis, 
So the documentary is called Orion, the man who would be king. There's this weird speculation in the movie, in the documentary, that he may actually have been Elvis's brother. Like they actually speculate that that might have been possible. <laughs> it's like half brother, I guess, right? Yeah, um, right. right. Yeah. Um, because Elvis did have a brother that was that was stillborn, and that plays into a lot of these theories that they they come up with that. Um, his his twin that didn't make it has yes. a lot to do with Elvis and his life and um, or the people that think that his his brother Jesse Guerin who died at birth actually lived and like <laughs> you can go off on that crazy tangent where people think that there there was there was Elvis's twin that was just a secret twin that's been alive this whole time you know and it was actually him that died or something like that she had written this story and then she tried to get it published and then that's when orion first started appearing and, and singing as a masked singer you know and then um so it seems like the the implications that she's driving home are that somebody took her manuscript and decided that would be a good idea to do in real life as having a masked singer that sounded exactly like elvis uh appearing Right, like within a year or two of him dying, you know, and and then they always kind of uh, played down ideas that it was actually Elvis wearing a mask, um, and uh, but it seemed like they kind of wanted to keep that mystique going because they they wouldn't didn't want to tell his real name and stuff like that. But people knew, you know, it wasn't Elvis, you know, and like I said, there's that whole documentary you can learn about that guy's that that guy's life, but in in the course of her book she has the idea that there was more than one Orion like Elvis fans would go to see him in concert. And there's stories where they say Orion is like soaked in sweat while he's out on stage and he walks off stage to get a glass of water, but comes back out and he's not soaked with sweat anymore. So <laughs> it's like the idea I guess was that Elvis still got to perform with Orion and just pretending to be Orion, you know, um, kind of a kind of a, like an Andy Kaufman kind of kind of thing going on there. Exactly, and Andy yeah. Kaufman was was uh, well known for his Elvis impersonation too. So. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> Good point. Yep. So um, yeah, no, there. That's like a, that's a theme that keeps coming up when I'm looking at this stuff is the idea of doubles and twins. It's almost like a Twin Peaks kind of aspect to only only to an absurd degree because we're you know talking about Elvis. So um, I think that that's one thing that made it really easy for me to be enthusiastic about this is how crazy and absurd all of it sounds. And then when you take, take some of the, the uh, some of the theories about, and the clues that they use, how they get to these ideas um, and you, and you pick it apart, uh, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. Um, so one of her main things with it is uh, where, where she starts with her Elvis is alive theories is the middle name Elvis's middle name. That's one of the um, that was one of the old theories about it. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, the whole like Aaron and uh, like yeah, uh, it, was, it was spelled with one A on his birth certificate. Right, it right. Tombstone, it was two A's. You know, um, and I mean that's been that's been pretty widely debunked at this point. Like uh, there's pretty good documentation to show that in the sixties, he had it formally officially changed and there might've been like slip ups in, in the meantime, but um, 
but uh that 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 became kind of an interesting thing when i started looking at the numerology of it because uh having having now read the uh numerology book that he kept with him i think he may have actually done that on purpose to change the numerology of his name uh in the in the mid 60s the timeline matches up from around where he would have met larry geller so that i, I found that to be pretty mm -hmm. interesting yeah but um yeah no she goes through all these clues i would i would recommend reading the book as long as you take it with a green grain of salt it's a the Elvis is alive theories are pretty, <laughs> pretty out there and pretty wild. And she keeps it a really entertaining read. Am I missing anything here? They had the weekly world news too. Oh yeah. That was a big Elvis scene at Burger King and all these type of things that were going on. I remember, I remember that like all the time in the, in the supermarket aisle. Yeah. So that was, um, that was my main memory of it as a kid was uh was seeing it on the tabloid rack at the at the grocery store you know that was um and I, i've always been a huge fan of 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 the weekly world news uh oh yeah here's one i missed i almost missed it um the Elvis was in home alone have you heard this theory yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a pretty weird one where um they claim there are those that claim now like these days that that he's actually an extra in um home alone in the background which he's not this has also been debunked <laughs> uh it's just like the, the wacky things like that that um you know he could have he could have possibly survived but then he wanted to be an extra in the movie you know it's uh it's wonderful stuff yeah, I think that they um I think I think that they actually tracked the guys that that guy down. I think eventually I think he's I think he actually he's actually deceased, but I think that like his uh his, his son said, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, uh my primary interest though, the one thing that <laughs> uh we definitely got to get to is uh the Elvis UFO connection. Oh, we're going to get there, sir, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean uh there's another going theory and i guess um this was covered a little bit on banal of america years ago he had he had a guy on that was talking about some of these theories a lot of it has to do with uh, elvis's love of law enforcement and the idea that he was like a secret uh dea asset or working for intelligence in some way shape or form so one of the theories was um, that he was put into kind of like a witness protection program uh, instead of dying, you know, faking his death so that that uh, to uh, basically protect his his daughter Lisa Marie. Mm -hmm. That's one of those ideas. Um, so that part of that gets tied into that TV special as well, using the alias John Burroughs. They had that guy in the TV special that tracked the credit uh credit charge from this guy john burrows all over the country so um uh so so there is that the um i i think you know you had the the famous photo of him shaking hands with nixon and being awarded an honorary badge 
for the for the DEA. So that's kind of where that stops for a lot of people is that it was more of an honorary thing. He was from law enforcement, and uh, um, I guess he had a pretty huge gun collection too. He was a big gun guy. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so th that's among the many ideas with that. Um, what do you think? Do you think that it's possible? That, I mean, I mean, I think, I think we always got to look at like the, the the string of possibilities, right? I mean, it seems ludicrous, but do you, I mean we kind of have to somewhat entertain the fact that maybe he could have done it and he might have been able to get away with it with all the apparatus that was around him. Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff. I mean, um, like one of the, one of the clues that they brought up. Uh, uh, the, the, there were a lot of weird things about the funeral, I guess. You know, they had they had his mother's body exhumed and brought to Graceland and buried there. Um, and they, they had Elvis in a, a sealed coffin that weighed like a ton or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a limited amount of people that were allowed to come to it, uh, mm -hmm. to the funeral itself. Um, I don't know. I could entertain the idea that, that he's still alive and uh, or was at least you know uh it's it, it seems pretty fanciful but then when when you really read into it you start to think well maybe it's maybe it's possible i i also think though getting back to that whole fame angle um and getting a little bit weirder with it it's that when, when you reach a point of fame where you're so much in the popular imagination for so long and everybody knows you um it, it's like elvis as a historical person kind of is is a is a, is off to the side you know and now you have like the imaginal elvis <laughs> you know there there's a there's a bigger there's a bigger elvis um and, and multiple different versions of him that could exist like the many impersonators that there are out there so uh uh the way he lives in the pop popular imagination and and the way his uh, music affected people and 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 the fandoms and just kind of like the running joke of Elvis sightings for a lot of people uh, brings this this other dimension into it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you could almost have like an Elvis Tulpa effect, is the way one of my friends described it. Well, now that's yeah, that's pretty interesting that 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 could be a that that could be a possibility. I mean, there's a bunch of weird stuff that we talk about on this show and. And other and other shows talk about. I mean that 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 the sighting is just like because when people want something to be true, it could come true. Right. You know? I mean, if you look at like, and we we look at all this other phenomenon, like up there where you are with the phantom clowns and and all that type of stuff that uh, Lauren Coleman has documented. I mean, uh, we know that these type of um, these type of entities can be cited. I mean, like, you know, obviously Slender Man comes to mind, a created character that people see, but we know when it was created. Um, so yeah, I mean that there is that possibility that, uh, um, that it's, that that's what it is possible, you know? And I mean, the, 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 uh, amount of fans he had was so strong. Uh, speaking of old, stuff on tv like there remember that commercial that used to be on that would always be like the elvis collection 
And I would always say something like 30 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. <laughs> or something and that was kind of the tagline and it's like well if so many people believe he's alive can they all be wrong you know maybe in a way they become right you know um so uh um he's uh not to keep harping on the fame aspect of it but but i think it does kind of like split people's personalities where there becomes the public version of them and and they get a bit lost in the mire with it so um uh, there are indicators that towards the end towards 1977 he was he was tired of it he was tired of tired of the fame there's clues there with that and he had already kind of reinvented himself so um uh so so Um, yeah, the, the, uh, sorry, I'm blanking right here. Uh, the fact that there are, are, that, that there was so much fervor about that too, uh, actually delayed, delayed the Elvis stamp. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but remember the stamp collection that came out in 93? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that only re they only require you to to have been dead for like ten years before they can make a stamp. But they delayed it because there was so much uh, pushback. People really wanted to believe he was alive. And um, there's a book that I wasn't able to read in time for this interview, but there, there's an actual book about the almost religious following of Elvis called the Elvis People that uh, Eric Wojciechowski recommended to me on Twitter, but <laughs> that sounds like a good, a good time, but it, it, it is, it's almost a, a religion at that point, you know? So, and um, I think you, right. you talked, you talked about that with um, the 13 o'clock guys. Yeah. I talked to you about with that with Tom, um, you know, he talked about how, cause he grew up in Southern Mississippi and he talked about how they um, basically kind of like revered Elvis almost on like the same level as Jesus, even to the point where as Tom, when he was drunk on my show, he said uh, he, he, he even said he even said Elvis instead of Jesus, which was pretty telling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it does have its own kind of like religious connotations. And it's even just like that whole picture. I mean, the very kind of famous picture of Christ with the blonde hair and blue eyes and this type of thing. I mean, like even like down to the eyes, Elvis is the same. So you've got that kind of like deity type of thing going on. Right. Right. And um, there, there are indicators that he kind of fashioned himself that way, too. Um, in the book Elvis and Gladys, they talk about how he was mm -hmm. a big fan of um, the Captain Marvel Jr. cartoons when he was a kid. He, he based a lot of himself on that. So there's the idea that, you know, he had a um, superhero slash secret identity aspect to him, you know. Um, but I, I guess that's where he adopted, like, the black hair, the curl, and, like, the lightning bolt as a symbol for the TCB logo that they came up with. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the manufactured thing where... Uh, where, where you know multiple identities or or assuming 
different identities. He seemed to like to do that for fun sometimes. And obviously he'd have a double so that he could leave Graceland without people. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that's kind of what Bubba Hotep plays upon is that um, it's actually the double that dies from doing drugs. Right. Right. Um, and I guess he liked to play pranks on, on some of the Memphis mafia guys too, just to like kind of test their loyalty with it. So, <laughs> but I don't know. There, there's so many different stories because toward the end of his life, one of the suspicious things was that he kind of cut out a lot of the Memphis mafia guys from his will yeah. before he died. So the book Elvis, what happened came out within a year of his death. And that's, uh, Sunny West and Red West, like basically mm-hmm. slandering him, talking about mm-hmm. his drug use and all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, you get wildly different different versions of Elvis depending on who you talk about as a historian or a biographer. Um, and you could you could probably chalk some of that up to sour grapes at that point with those guys, you know. Um, and then uh, I don't know. I feel like we could even talk about Colonel parker a bit because he he's a guy with a strange shady past yeah colonel parker is weird um yeah yeah let's talk about that yeah even just briefly i mean because this might really go into why he might have done if he did fake his death if big if if he did fake his death then colonel parker may have had something to do with it and it may have been to get away yeah yeah um, I could see him doing it just to get out from under Colonel Parker's thumb. And it, it's just kind of amazing how much, uh, how much the Colonel made off of him. You know, he was getting like a 50% cut of everything at one point, you know, <laughs> and, uh, did a lot of shady stuff with, with the estate money at, after, at, after Elvis's death. But, you know, one of the accounts in, in the book that, um, of Colonel Parker learning of Elvis's death is he just stood up and said, this doesn't change a thing. You know, we can still move forward. We can keep doing business. (laughs) Just seems a little, a little weird Mm -hmm. and suspicious. And they had all this, um, they had all this Elvis memorabilia and, and extra records printed pretty much the week before his death and ready to go as you know. So, I mean, I guess the implication is that they knew, he would the news of his death would come out and everybody would go out and buy an Elvis record or or memorabilia. So, uh, yeah, Colonel Parker was a a shrewd businessman, I guess you could say, as a nice way of putting it. But also kind of a a wheeler dealer, carny, and a possible criminal. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's some people that think uh, we know that he wasn't born in the states and his real name wasn't. Uh, Tom Parker he was born he was he was he was Dutch by birth and there are some people that would even say he murdered a a woman and that's that's why he left the country I haven't heard that yeah yeah that's uh, some people have lined up his birth name with a time time and place where there was an unsolved murder I don't know if I buy it but he had a stint in the army he never did become a colonel he never got above the rank of private but at one point he went, went AWOL and was um, captured and put in, in solitary confinement and ended up uh, in a mental hospital after for a short period of time. Well, he was an illegal alien. Yeah. 
And that was part of the reason why Elvis could not play overseas. Like, he was in high demand in the rest of the world. I mean, he could have been just like the Beatles and gone all over the world. You know, I mean, he was obviously in Europe when he was in the army. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, just like uh, he couldn't do it because Tom Colonel Tom Parker couldn't leave the country. Because he might not be able to come back. <laughs> right, and he wouldn't let Elvis go anywhere where he couldn't monitor right. him personally and see what he was up to. Yeah. Right, right. And, I mean, the colonel pretty much worked him to death, too. So, I mean, the theories are that he couldn't get a passport because he didn't have credentials. But also, a lot of people think he was wanted in Europe. You know? <laughs> so that's why he didn't go there, you know. Um, but yeah, he couldn't leave the country really. The only dates Elvis ever did outside of the U.S. were in Canada, like on border towns. Um, but yeah, when he was doing his Elvis days, he was working like nonstop, like every night, you know, doing one or two shows a night. So um, Parker really did kind of work him to death. And I guess there was one point where he tried to tried to fire him and ended up going right back to him. So I mean, there's there's an argument that could be made of like kind of a uh, an abusive relationship there where uh, for whatever reason he was completely domineered by this guy you know um, and like you said he could have I mean other places in the world were offering millions and millions for him to come do a few shows and yeah uh, they turned it down well you know like he 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 couldn't um, it was all really like Tom it was really the colonel's idea for him to do movies yeah you know and he, not good he, movies yeah, right. I mean, he did all these kind of just stupid movies. And meanwhile, it was like, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones came along, all just like big fans of him. But he was just isolated in L.A., you know, doing these doing these movies. Right. Yeah. And he wa- he wanted to pursue some more serious acting, but uh, uh, the colonel only wanted him in movies where he could sing some dumb song that they could cut a record right, of and right. money out. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand. I mean, maybe it was just a I mean, maybe he was so addled on drugs or maybe it was like he just felt this like such a like a obligation or a dependency on him. Why he felt just like he had to just keep going on with this guy, you know, with this manager and I mean, he seemed like he just maybe was such a convincing con man that, yeah. you know, he, he he built that confidence so much and made Elvis believe he couldn't do anything without him, you know? Right. So that's that's kind of where I come down is like maybe if he did fake his death, big if, like I said, but if he did fake his death, then maybe he possibly was, um, do he did it just to get away from the colonel. Yeah. You know? Or the or the colonel was the one behind it for whatever reason. Yeah, possible too. Right, right. Uh, it's weird to say, but I think there's a lot of indication too that Elvis uh, didn't particularly care for all the money and and the fame. It it, it did kind of isolate him. But you know, I read another uh, excerpt from something where he was talking about it was talking about how he took the Bible passage to heart that it's. Uh, um, about a you know rich man entering heaven, so he always took that kind of in his mind where he didn't think he'd be able to go to heaven without with all the money. So they, that's why he would spend it like crazy. He would just give people outrageous gifts 
and and stuff like that um so i don't know maybe it wasn't that big a deal to him that the colonel was getting half the profit but <laughs> it's it's kind of nuts you know so uh yeah uh, is is a weird character there's a lot of weird characters involved and um and uh it makes for this weird soup and you can almost understand why he would end up doing odd things or saying odd things or having weird beliefs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the things i came across was he was taking yoga lessons and what he hoped to achieve through yoga was the ability to like dematerialize and rematerialize at will <laughs> so that's i guess an example of of one of the occult weird ideas that that elvis had that probably made no sense to some of the guys in the memphis mafia but uh, but they made sense in elvis's head it speaks to my mind of like a certain kind of desperation of wanting to to get away from that kind of uh limelight and scrutiny because uh i don't know that's a tough enough thing uh just being in the public eye enough that people pick through all of all of the details of your life and want to know everything you know and um and analyze everything you say and do uh, i mean uh, i'm sure you're aware of that to some extent being a podcaster just uh it, it, you're you're a public figure you got you got a lot of people that listen you know like <laughs> i'm not saying you're elvis but um my life really isn't that interesting and honestly but <laughs> no i mean just uh yeah. public scrutiny you know you're just yeah you, sure you, you you kind of um realize that words have power and things that you say you, yeah you say yeah not, and well you have to be careful I think you had to. I think I think um, certain things that Serfiel and I have talked about recently in the last few months, especially. Uh, I believe that like there is there is some responsibility that the people in the quote unquote alternative media hold, right? And uh, you know should be careful about things that they influence people. But yeah, I mean I, you're totally right about that. Yeah, and I, I mean it gets back to that whole kind of like fame idea for for. Uh lack of a better way of explaining it it's a sphere of influence so you're talking about how much influence people have over other people and you might not always um realize it and it's something i've become keenly aware of uh, as i used to perform both like music and poetry and stuff like that and that kind of built this uh this this mystique around myself in a very small very local level so i'm not talking about many people but it's still it messes with your head because now people have ideas about you beyond that which which you have and there's this weird sphere coming off that it always made me wonder like would i ever even want to be a famous musician <laughs> that sounds like a hassle so uh it's something i've always uh, i've always thought about so when i read about the stuff he went through i mean nobody had ever been as popular as he was um and and in the way he was with the media that was available at the time and uh we talked about impersonators like the first guy that impersonated him was like 1958 i think so it was pretty much right after he he burst onto the scene you already had guys that mm -hmm. were doing the elvis impersonation bit mm -hmm. so i don't know it's a fame is a crazy thing and it, <laughs> and uh having having a very public life and having people scrutinize that and pick it apart no doubt but he also lived in a time 
where he could get away with certain things, you know, you could still, yeah, I mean, this was a time period where like, I mean, homosexuality wasn't really out in the open. So, yeah, you know, like rock Hudson was able to get away with not telling people he was gay. I mean, you know, Liberace and Paul Lind, I mean, it should have been pretty obvious, but it was just kind of like, even they, you know, people didn't know. And with Elvis, I mean, people didn't know he had a teenage girl, like basically like living in his house, which was Priscilla, you know, which that's a little weird, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah. So now I think now I, now I think that would be, you know, that would blow wide open. Yeah. I think they learned from Jerry Lee Lewis to uh, keep that quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Jerry Lee married, I think, like, his 14-year-old cousin. was. I think she was 14 when they got married. Right, right. Which, honestly, though, I mean, for the South in that time... Yeah, that's the thing that I think people miss. you're you're only one generation from that happening, like, nearly every day in the 1950s. So, you know... And the only reason it really bit Jerry Lee is because he brought her to England with her and people in England really didn't understand that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, we all marry our cousins down here. <laughs> well, that, but I think the age difference too, that was just, that was kind of, yeah, he was like, what, 21 or 20? Like, yeah. I mean, later on in life, obviously that's not going to be that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The whole Priscilla angle is really strange, too, because right after Elvis died, she ends up getting into Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the, there's a weird Scientology thread with the estate itself and Graceland as a place. Because, uh, I mean, I I don't trust Scientology at all. <laughs> I, I've, I've read into it a bit, and it's, it's really sketchy. Come on. You can yeah. trust Scientology. Well, that's another throwback is, do you remember the Scientology commercials, the recruitment commercials from the nineties? Uh, I remember the ones in the eighties for Dianetics. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. Might've been the same ones. I think they might've just rerun them, but yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that as a kid and being like, what the hell? Like, what is Scientology? You know? Um, but yeah, both her and Lisa Marie, because Lisa Marie was the one that had the legal um, right to the estate, but she was only 12 when Elvis died. So that was, it became like Vernon, his dad, Vernon managed it. And that, that was, um, that was kind of how that worked out until she reached a certain age. It was put into a trust, but um, you got to wonder about the, the Scientology angle of that moving, moving on past Elvis's stuff, because I think he had visited the, uh, the Scientology church in LA and had a very strong repulsion of it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it does seem kind of strange, especially if you take into account the UFO stuff. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk about the UFO. That's the segue. Let's talk about UFOs, Elvis and UFOs. Yeah. Um, so this book, is I found I found an ad for it in I think like an old Fate magazine a couple of years ago. By the by the way, we we have we have a we have an extra guest here, which is that cricket. By the way, oh, you can hear that. Uh, I can hear the cricket. <laughs> oh, 
it's 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 all good, man. I have a. Um, I should just put on Elvis record in the background or something. <laughs> uh, uh, might get into come some copyright issues on that. Oh, that's true. I I have a I have a pet lizard in here, so I have crickets in it. Oh, okay. Well, he's got he's got to eat, right? I think one got loose and it's in the room somewhere. Um, oh, that's a real drag. Maybe I can I can actually move to another room. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. All right. Um, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., yeah, so I had seen an ad for the Elvis UFO connection, I think, in a in an old Fate magazine or a Flying Saucer review, one of those um, from the '80s, and this is one I had wanted for a couple of years. So doing this show, it gave me an excuse to go buy a copy for probably too much money, but <laughs> um, the 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 premise here is that uh, the author which is actually authors. So it's uh, the Elvis UFO connection, a non nonfiction account of alien intervention, the legend and the mystery by Richard Daniel. Uh, Richard Daniel is actually two different people. Uh, they worked together and just kind of smashed their names together. And that's how they came up with the name. So it's, um, so it's not someone with two first names. No, Richard, okay. Richard Bakalig and Daniel Gull. So, the two guys wrote the book, which gets really confusing because uh, they're talking about specifically how he stumbled onto the mystery of, of Elvis and UFOs, which was watching a anniversary of of his death, like, uh, you know, a, um, a TV program that was like remembering Elvis. There was something about the belt buckle that Elvis was wearing in the in the one of the performances that. Uh, um that that struck him and it, it, he couldn't he couldn't figure out why so there's a picture in the book here basically it looks like an infinity symbol on this on this belt buckle um but to this guy's mind what it actually looked like was a pair of like gray alien eyes and this is what sets him on the path with this you know and he ends up counting the the number of uh of gems around the edge of of the uh of the belt buckle itself and it adds up to 42 which you know that was the age elvis was when he died so that mm -hmm. must be <laughs> must be significant honestly like having wanted this book for so long it's kind of funny that that that's what set him on the path is uh just this belt buckle that he thought kind of looked like the eyes of a gray alien um 
but he was also talking about different symbols on the attire that Elvis would wear and having seen the same symbols in books that he read about UFOs from like Jacques Vallée and Eric Von Donneken and stuff like that. So he developed this idea that it was, um, it, you know, the whole first chapter he's wrestling with it and thinking, well, it's probably nothing. And then he remembers reading a Elvis UFO encounter story in, um, I think it was in Elvis What Happened, that Sonny West recounts having seen a UFO with with Elvis. So I, um, I know I sent you the brief video of that Sonny West telling the story. Um, and this can be found on YouTube. But the basic element of it is it's like they see a star or maybe a plane or something, and it's getting bigger in the sky. And Elvis tells Sonny to go inside and get somebody else to come look at it. And he runs inside and comes back out and Elvis is gone. And then they're shouting for him and looking for him, running up and down the street. And they find him way down the street. And um, Elvis defined it as a flying saucer, according to Sonny West's account. And, um, and, and said, like, do not, don't worry. They're not here to harm us. They won't harm us. You know, like, like he knew what was going on with the aliens. So uh, that's the only, uh, honestly, that's that's the only thing in the whole book that directly connects Elvis to aliens. <laughs> this is one story. Just the, just the fact that Elvis saw a UFO sighting, which isn't too unusual with other celebrities. I mean, John Lennon saw a UFO. I mean, uh, David, David Bowie, I think, said that he did as well, you know. The Moody Blues has, that's a really interesting one. The Moody Blues saw like a flying saucer landing on the way back from a show. Um, so that's another one. Uh, Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead, apparently. You know, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Oh, um, Mitzi Collins and George Clinton, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> every time Parliament Funkadelic played, there was the mothership. I mean, yeah, but that's wild, man. Like, what if, what if, you know, I kind of think that sometimes, you know, if, if I, I operate on the idea that the UFO phenomena is, is absurd enough and it's absurd on purpose because, um, simply because it's too, too crazy to be believed, you know, uh, if, um, what what better way to hide than come up, have a witness that's uh, completely unreliable? You know, uh, can you still hear me? Oh yeah, yeah, you're good. Rip something. Sorry, that cricket was driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we got away from the cricket. Yeah, I moved to another room. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one. A lot of UFO sightings, and especially ones with like occupants of crafts. It, that ends up being so ridiculous that the, the story itself is super ridiculous uh, and maybe intentionally so just so that uh, people have a hard time telling the story, you know, people have a hard time even relating it to somebody, even if they can admit they saw a UFO, then the high weirdness parts of it are the parts that often get left out with uh, investigators because it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard to go that extra step of of something really weird you know so I, I think like rock stars being picked as as uh witnesses actually squares with that right because if you say george clinton saw a ufo well of course you know <laughs> especially ones that are known 
for, for doing a lot of doing a lot of drugs you know yeah. um the jimmy jimmy hendrix ufo stories are pretty pretty great too i don't know if you're familiar with those but um well i mean you can't believe everything you've ever heard about us flying saucers and space people right you know no, i mean I, i'm not saying I necessarily- <laughs> that's that's from that's from uh Axis Bold is Love, the first track on that. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, he claimed he was saved by the Space Brothers he, in a terrible snowstorm. He was he was uh waylaid on the side of the road, and apparently the the Space Brothers landed and, and rescued the, him and his band at the time. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean a lot of wild stories in rock and roll, you know. Um but yeah, no. The authors the authors managed to make a whole a, a whole book of this, and uh, it, it ranges from from just just plain crazy to really kind of fun and makes you think. Um, so uh, a lot of it is just kind of taking the oddities in Elvis's life, like a lot of which we already talked about, um, and comparing them against those of abductees so you can tell the you can tell the era it's coming out of it's the 80s because they're heavily relying on things like uh bud hopkins um i think david jacobs gets a mention in here a lot of the whitley streber gets mentioned a bunch a lot of the kind of uh like abduction and the story recounted after after a hypnosis you know so um that's not my favorite flavor of UFO story, but I, I'm I'm fluent in it. So they take a lot of the ideas of, um, you, you know, during that era, a lot of a lot of talk would be about alien human hybrids, or the idea of uh, of generational abduction, where the the aliens continually come back uh, down down the family line. So. Um, uh, uh, so the idea is that Elvis's mother Gladys was also an abductee prior to that, um, and mm, and okay. I think ultimately the idea is that Elvis himself was an alien-human hybrid, or or genetically altered by aliens. Oh, so okay, all right. Uh, that's I mean what we were just talking about before—the whole religious aspect and like that's a little bit of the virgin birth kind of going on there yeah if you want um, to equate it to that yeah and and immaculate conception this might be the right funny, right right this might be the funniest and weirdest part of the book is that uh concerning elvis's conception uh now i've i've never had my parents tell me about the night i was conceived for which i am very grateful I imagine, <laughs> I imagine your story is the same, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've actually never, I've never asked that question. I've so. never asked because I don't want to know. Don't want to know, my, right? My parents have never volunteered this information to me. Yeah, what, what uh, car, what type of car's back seat was I conceived? <laughs> but Vernon, Vernon Presley made it a point to tell Elvis at one point <laughs> that he knows the very night he was conceived because he blacked out during the lovemaking session. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the authors use this as well. We've seen this in the abduct- 
we've seen this in the abductee literature before. So they talk about cases where sex nice. has been interrupted by aliens. Ah, yeah, okay. Somebody like the male has been moved up and down as though by marionette strings and he doesn't appear to be <laughs> conscious. <laughs> so now I'm just like, is, picturing... is, this, is this like, is this like from David Jacobs material or something? Ex- exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at. These are the, these are the, U- the UFO literature and I'm using finger quotes here that, that they're relying on is a lot like the David Jacobs, Bud Hopkins sort of stuff. To be fair, he does quote like Brad Steiger. I like that. I, I like Brad Steiger a lot, so that's cool. Um, he get, he uses a lot of Whitley Strieber type stuff, but yeah, it's it's that kind of idea where where the aliens and the sex and everything is recalled through hypnosis later. So he he basically builds a case study around the whole family, and the idea is that I guess what he's saying is the aliens were directly involved in Elvis's conception, but also in his birth. So. The night Elvis and Jesse were born, um, of course, Jesse died pretty much right away. But Elvis was born, and Vernon had Vernon went outside the family home in Tupelo for some air, and you know, there's a lot going on. It's a very emotional thing, um, and there was mysterious blue light over the Presley family home in the sky. So, I think I think that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, if true, it, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what would cause blue lights above the clouds in the sky at in the middle of the night, but uh, um, that seems pretty compelling. And of course, blue or blue moon is a phrase that appears a lot in Elvis's songs. I think they failed to mention that uh, in the book, which seems like a huge oversight to me because if I were writing a crazy book about Elvis UFO connection, I probably, I got a list of them right here. Blue, blue moon, of course, uh, blue moon of Kentucky, right? right. Blue Christmas, blue Christmas, moody blue, <laughs> blueberry hill. When my blue moon turns to gold, blue suede shoes is another one. And, uh, of course, GI, GI blues and blue Hawaii. So. <laughs> Man, hidden in plain sight. I know. I don't know. I didn't go there. <laughs> the, the authors both dropped the ball by not giving that list of song titles. But um, <laughs> so, so um, you know. But it, I don't know. That's a, that's a bit weird. Um, getting back to the the generational alien abduction idea, you have Gladys had this weird paranoia that there were like people in the bushes outside her home. Um, before Elvis was born and after when they lived in Tupelo and then when, when they ended up, when they moved, um, they, uh, she, she had this, she had this idea that uh, there were men in the bushes outside and people trying to look in the windows. So the authors make this argument that that could be like a screen memory sort of thing. Um uh, or that you know she was being abducted too, and she was trying to protect him from from the same fate. Uh, and uh, they, they use her like overprotectiveness. There's a whole lot of like the whole the whole idea that that Elvis was a mama's boy, and and she was really overprotective of him. Like maybe that's why. So that's that's one of their clues in regard to that. Um, mm-hmm. 
and we also you can stop me at any point and we can just riff on this stuff because i'll just keep going <laughs> oh yeah keep going yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much this is this is great stuff right, honestly it's all sound evidence every right. bit of it okay well he was visited by his brother at one point they they, they come up with that um so then that gets into the whole so, idea. So was his brother the hybrid that was taken? See, that's one possible angle to it. But then there's also um, the more the more esoteric angle where the, you, you talk about aliens being analogous to fairies, being analogous to like the underworld of the dead and stuff like that. And I mean, this is stuff that Strieber gets into too, where it's like... Um, or witness of another world that documentary gets into it as well right uh, right where where people see dead people during an alien abduction experience you know so the 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 premise here is that they were using um they were using a brother that a twin brother that was growing up alongside elvis that had already passed on as kind of like the the go-between for them and the aliens or they were pre- just presenting that way like when they showed up for their abductions, they were using that image of, of Elvis's lost brother as a, as so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Did Elvis go through any like hypnotic regression? Was he into any kind of stuff like that? Cause we kind of talked about how he was into other weird stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, he was into reincarnation. So I would think if he got into, yeah. if he did hypnosis, he would probably do a past life regression. I think that would be the, the that would be the go-to. Okay, right, right. Um, well, I mean, and he died also, I think, before, you know, I think Bud Hopkins was just getting started at that point. I mean, you had the, you had the hills, but nobody was really doing the whole a regression stuff like Hopkins. Right. I think until the um, early eighties. Leo Sprinkle was around doing some of that too at that point. Um yeah. probably a little earlier. But I guess he would have died like right after right after the Travis Walton one. So uh but yeah you're right. It wasn't huge when he was when and and I guess the the, the idea is that there's a couple of different scenarios where either Elvis knew what was going on, which seems to be implied by the fact that when he saw a flying saucer, he said, they're not here to harm us, you know, <laughs> um, or he didn't really know what was going on. And that seems to be what they're leaning toward because they're they're The case study that they're building is that most abductees don't know what's happening in their life until they have the hypnotic regression to, to explain it to them. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was like, all the seeking and the occult stuff that Elvis was getting into was trying to make sense of the weird stuff that was happening to him that he couldn't account for, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah. And ultimately they're building this hypothesis that, that Elvis was, uh, like I said, altered genetically. Here's a, here's a quote that comes from the Elvis and Gladys book um that they use they use to bolster this idea it says the cerebrations are caused by the organized vibrations of certain larynxes invisible impalpable incomprehensible little airwaves and mathematical combinations that the laws 
that governed them have existed forever before Moses, before Pan, long before a larynx had been involved. Did you get like a, did you get like a, you got like a PDF version? No, right? no, no. No, I put together, I actually prepared for this interview and okay, put okay. notes, notes in a... Uh, yeah, but you got a physical book. That's what I'm I bought. A, yeah. I bought a physical reprint of the original for $70, and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to admit that, but wow. <laughs> I really wanted the book. Wow. And, uh, Johnny yeah. L. Tenney offered to send me one for free. He just had to find it, and I wasn't sure I'd get it in time, so that's... It was in, it was in a stack somewhere. It was right. Yeah, it was right next to the Jim Garrison files or something. You know. Yeah, it was buried under something else. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, buried under some like D and D books or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So you know, missed opportunities, I guess. All right. So to get back to this quote here, uh, it may be that the entire being of Elvis Presley, especially his voice, was the end product of a quote very definite design unquote. Initiated by the same force that has come to us from the heavens and has been with us for every phase of our evolution. The same force that has been associated with unusual or spiritual-like circumstances involving conceptions and births, past and present. So what they're implying here is that Elvis had a specially designed larynx and throat that was meant to perform the act of singing so incredibly well that it would influence all of humanity and <laughs> on behalf of whatever the cosmic other is, the space aliens, the, you know, that they had some message to impart to us that could only happen tonally through a spe- specially crafted throat. This seems rather nebulous. Like it seems like, it seems like we're, we, we want it to be space aliens, but we're open to, to being interdimensional Faye? I, I don't I don't even know. I, well, I like I like being open to it. I think I think the openness is is good. Um, yeah. But right. It, they pretty much use the terminology aliens the whole time. But I mean, in this quote here, they're talking about like before Moses, before Pan. So they're bringing in like mythological and like yeah, interesting. They're bringing up Pan. I mean, are we? They, <laughs> are we, we kind of? Is this a little uh, nod to Rebirth of Pan or something? It might be actually because this came out originally in 1986, so it it might might be directly referencing that. But I think um, I think they even make the argument in here that you could compare Elvis to Pan directly. But just like uh, um, uh, Giorgio Brewer says, you can, can can compare Elvis to Jesus, you know. And, and we already covered that a little bit, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So that seems to be the that seems to be the the premise there. Other things that they use to oh, and then the end of the book is just um, a list of all of the close encounter and abduction stories you've ever heard. So it's just recapping a bunch of stories for some reason, <laughs> in case you hadn't already heard them, like Benny Betty and Okay, Marie. so that's that's the proof. Like that's okay. So this happened. So, well, they want to catch you up because they want. They're assuming people are reading this book because they want to know about Elvis, but they're not sure you know the UFO background. Yeah, so they right, want to give right. you all these stories. Just so you, you might will. be an Elvis fan, but you might know you might not know all of UFO contact mythology. Right. Yeah. They gotcha. they want to try to meet you halfway with it. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The other the other thing I thought was a little interesting 
was the Tin Man. They have a whole chapter in here called the Tin Man. I guess when Elvis was a kid in school, they would have a period that was like a free period at school where people would just mostly nap or like hang out. But um, if you weren't going to nap, you had to tell the class a story. And Elvis was the only one telling a story that continued day after day, one contiguous story that happened in uh, as a series of episodes involving the Tin Man that would come to his house and play, you know, and, and hang out in his room and stuff like that. So they, they, uh, they used the idea that, that uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz was popular enough at the time that he was talking about that Tin Man, but he could have been talking about like an alien robot or even a gray alien because he looks like he's made out of tin, you know? So that's, that's another point of evidence in here uh, that I made a note about. Overall, pretty entertaining mm. book. <laughs> so I, for one, am totally convinced that Elvis was an alien or, or, uh, alien human hybrid. Yeah. Or was genetically altered by the alien. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> essentially he, um, is being turned into a demigod yeah you know i mean that's 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 basically it right i mean he's you've got this like uh this strange power that is uh from you know god knows where and it's influencing the world and that's basically a god right and then you know so so elvis is not he is not of a human father he is of a div- uh, you know of a otherworldly or extraterrestrial father of a divine father and so he's like perseus or hercules or any of these like, demigod. yeah he, yeah he couldn't he couldn't have been he couldn't have been fully human he right. had to <laughs> well how else does a, a dirt poor dirt poor farm boy from tupelo become known to everybody in the world you know um, yeah, because I mean, they make yes. the point to tell the story where, like, you know, uh, Western missionaries went to some remote village in Africa somewhere and went into a, a hut, and there was like a poster of Elvis up in there. <laughs> it's like even in the remotest regions of wor- of the world, everybody knew who Elvis was. So they were using that to illustrate like his reach throughout throughout the known world. And like I said, like thirty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. So. But they can be swayed by the alien agenda. <laughs> they can be influenced. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you make of all that. I don't know. Uh, um, I'm glad to be, glad to be able to present this this uh, shocking information because yeah, this it, it is it it is indeed shocking information. What year was this book published? 1986. 1986. Okay, so we're kind of at the. We're kind of at the cusp of of um, Elvis is alive craziness. Yeah, because uh, it the is alive is Elvis alive came out in 1988. So yeah, and, and prior to that, I mean, I think you had speculation in some of the tabloids mm-hmm. regarding that, but um, a, a few sightings here and there. I mean, the, I think the first Elvis sighting post his death was only a year or less after his death. Mm-hmm. And that's like the picture of him 
at Graceland, like somebody snapped a photo just of Graceland and he happened to be like standing in the doorway, you know? And I think, you know, that's been debunked a number of times, but the Mark Joseph photo from 1978, I think. So only a couple months after he died. Um, but yeah, the, the real phenomena started in the late eighties there. And, uh, so this was before even that. So the Elvis UFO connection got a jump before, before that really took off. So, <laughs> but then, um, then you have the other people who said that Elvis did not die, but he has contacted them from beyond the grave. So we have some of that stuff too. Um, I can't talk as much at length about that, but uh, I did read the aptly titled Elvis Speaks from the Beyond the Grave by Hans Holzer. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know there's a Raymond Moody book out there too about Elvis in the afterlife. But um, yeah, there's been a number of people that have claimed to have contacted the spirit of Elvis. Did they channel him? Was that what it was? Or? Yeah, uh, I think a few of them did. And but the the one that Hans Holzer took most seriously was a woman who was just being repeatedly visited by Elvis. And um, what was funny about that was he referred to her as an Elvis contactee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not so he, nice, nice. So that yeah, there again we have the imaginal Elvis, where you know he's before we had him in recreations, uh, almost Bigfoot like, you know, or uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. the Elvis UFO cre- connection, and then uh, now he's speaking to her from beyond the grave, but he, she's an Elvis contactee. Just great choice of words. Um, but Holzer had been contacted by a number of people, I guess, that were just receiving afterlife messages from Presley, but he got this one woman that he took particularly seriously. Um, and her stories are pretty wild. It was almost like she'd doze off on the couch and then like a portal would open up in her living room and Elvis would step out of it and like take her by the hand and then they'd be like off in this other realm. (laughs) And, uh, now you might think she could have just been dreaming, but <laughs> <laughs> what would they do? Um, well, so did they go to Blue Hawaii? Was it like the '68 comeback special? I mean, like, I mean, what was what was going? <laughs> they went to Elvis's dressing room in Vegas. Um, the, the, they went there. Uh, they they would mostly go to places where there would be a bunch of other dead people. So it was like the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So this woman saw her own grandmother there um, along with Elvis for some reason. And her own grandmother interrupts the seance that they end up having that there's a whole transcription of in the book. Um, this book can be found on Kindle as like an ebook for like $3 and 99 cents. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> and it's a, it's worth it. Cause it's wild. But uh, uh yeah, he would bring her different places and he would explain like why he's reaching out to her because they were lovers in a past life together. And now he's moved on to a different different version of life that um, once, you, once you live so many lifetimes and you learn everything you need to know, then you go up to the next level and, and, and you're on a higher, a higher level of reality, which he refers to as being in school. 
So he's being in school to go up to the next level of, of um, <clears throat> the, the next level of consciousness, I guess. Which actually isn't too different from a lot of like UFO cult religions beliefs on, on how that works. But um, uh, before, uh, before I get off topic, like I said, this is all pretty nebulous because I've just been absorbing this all for the past month and mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. honestly a bit worried about my sanity. So uh, <laughs> you're gonna, um, Elvis is going to come to you in a portal tonight and he's going to. He's I sure hope like, so. Like AP Strange, let's let's go, baby. <laughs> take TCB, taking care of business. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope so, man. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so I, I I guess that's that's the premise there. Elvis's mother is in some of these, but he does take her to different places, and including his dressing room in Vegas, which had a secret elevator that would bring him down directly to the stage. So this is one of the things that Holzer was. This is the real Vegas, or is this like it's the New Jerusalem or something? Like what? Right. Uh, Holzer was able to confirm later that Elvis did have a secret dressing room in Vegas where where he was performing, and it had a secret elevator that would bring him down to the stage level, bring him backstage. So his dressing room was on another level, and 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 the secret passage to the stage that she went to in this kind of dream uh contact state with elvis actually existed but she shouldn't have been able to know about that because it was never publicized for obvious reasons it's supposed to be a secret for security reasons you know um and again she's another one like like brewer giorgio she wasn't a huge elvis fan she liked him enough but she didn't like read books about his life and i guess uh holzer was able to uh to his satisfaction proved this on some level that she wasn't, wasn't such a big Elvis file that she just knew all this stuff about him. Mm -hmm. so that was actually kind of a, kind of a spooky part there. Um, but she ended up going to him in New York. Um, she had a husband at the time that she couldn't talk about any of the stuff with, and they had a seance with, I think Elvis's cousin and his stepmother was there. So Vernon Presley's second wife, um, and during the seance, uh, Holzer is able to ask, ask Elvis these questions directly. And she's kind of being the medium for it. You know, she's, she's expressing what he's saying. So he was in the room for that. Um, I, I liked one part of that where her grandmother shows up and interrupts the seance <laughs> and Holzer tells her to tell her grandmother to butt out. And she was like, you don't tell my grandma to butt out. <laughs> it's like, now she's mad. Now she's yelling at me. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, that's all, it's all some pretty weird stuff. Uh, I guess you can go from one extreme to Elvis is still alive to Elvis is speaking to people from beyond the grave. Right. To Elvis is on a flying saucer somewhere. What about Elvis? I mean, the one we haven't covered. One we haven't covered. What about Elvis and Bigfoot? Yeah, I mean Elvis and Bigfoot could be uh, living like a like a buddy, uh, a buddy life out there somewhere, you know, like with, D, with DB it's like Cooper. A buddy comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a buddy comedy with and DB Cooper keeps crashing on the couch and they have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 The aliens show up. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Hoffa's buried out back. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Somebody needs to write the, uh, the Elvis Bigfoot connection now, I guess. Uh, that's the next one. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's already been the, the UFO Bigfoot connection. There should be the Elvis Bigfoot connection. I, I think that's it. AP. I think that's it. That's your, that's your book. Yep. All right. That's it. That's your, that's your mission. That's your, eat, eat your heart out, Joshua Cutchin. Because <laughs> AP Strange is coming for you. <laughs> yep. It's all, it's all Elvis. <laughs> Everything's Elvis. <laughs> well, I'll tell you um, my own personal theory. Okay. Uh, so, God, this was like 2008 or something like that. And uh, I was in Memphis. And uh, this was back when my ex-wife was getting her citizenship. Um, And so here in Tennessee, the the area to do that is Memphis, the the immigration place. And um, so we decided we'd go to Graceland because, you know, like, what the hell? We never been. We had never been, and we went ahead and we went and, you know, saw the jungle room. You know, it, it was very, very underwhelming. Um, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, it just, it, it just, I mean, it's just a house, really. I mean, the museum was kind of cool, I'll be honest. Um, but the thing was, was that you could not go upstairs. They told you that, like, if you like the family still kind of lives there, kind of uses Graceland somewhat. And they said like, out of respect for the family, you can't go upstairs. And I was under the impression, I don't know why, but I was always under the impression that you could tour the whole entire house. Right. And, uh, so my theory is that he's still, he's still up there. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that's what a lot of people think, too, because, I mean, even as recently as a couple of years ago, you had um, a picture of just kind of a overweight man with a big white beard standing behind, like, I think, like a pool house or something at Graceland, and somebody's like, it's Elvis, and it's like, I don't know, it's probably a caretaker, a guy, like, breaking the leaves or something, <laughs> or just, you know, a tourist, somebody visiting, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably... Imagine that, like, if he did fake his death but never left the building. He just, I mean, that, that's the phrase. Elvis has just left the building. But if he, if he never left Graceland, that's just uh, kind of crazy to me. But uh, I could... I, I, I could uh, well, there is a one... There was in one of those... Um, one of those episodes, there was actually a um, picture that someone took at Graceland sometime in the early eighties. And they were, um, there was actually a picture of a guy that looked like Elvis sitting in the doorway. Right. That's the so, one I was talking. That was the one I was talking about a little earlier. I think it was like, uh, within a year or two of Elvis dying. Yeah. It was, right. Right. The guy's name was Mark Joseph, something like that. But yeah, that, that was like the very first one. It's like through the, through the door, you can just kind of see him right there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Oh, I would be remiss if I didn't include since uh, I'm an ambassador for liminal earth, we do have one, one Elvis sighting on the map. So uh, we should definitely cover that real quick because it's very brief. Uh, Have you read this one before? 
Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no. So there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an Elvis sighting on Liminal Earth. Yes, that's yeah, great. We we were very excited to get it. September eighth, nineteen ninety-seven, <laughs> in uh, I think it's in it's in Colorado. Might be, is it Denver? I think it's Denver, Colorado. Uh, it says Elvis. I was walking a oh, Boulder. Elvis. I was walking around Boulder very late one night with two dear friends in college. We were on LSD. We saw Elvis. He was huge, overweight, and old, sitting in a red lawn chair on a red porch that had a red light. There was a red cooler next to him on the porch. He saw us looking and waved. I think we waved back before traveling on. Submitted by Jasper H. So <laughs> we were, uh, we at Liminal, Liminal Earth were pretty happy to have you an You never know. Yeah. So it being 2021. Elvis, I think, would be like 86 years old now, if he was indeed still alive, um, are not ascended to uh, perfect masterhood. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. It's like this kind of had its heyday in the late 80s, early 90s, and then it just kind of died down. So is there anything like even still going on with yeah, any I mean, of this be- stuff? It became a joke, right? Like, I mean, I think like after a while, it just became a joke. Um, and I, I think it's kind of, um, it's kind of funny, like the, the influence he still has nowadays. I mean, there's a whole satellite XM radio station devoted to him, the serious, serious radio station devoted to him. And uh, in the last couple of days, I've basically just heard Elvis references I mean, I might be picking him up more, but just on random podcasts, TV shows, I'm like, he's still, he's still so much in the fabric of everything. Um, I don't know. I feel like every, every once or once or twice a year, you have somebody thinks they saw him or they, they have some new reason to believe that he survived past 1977. I think it's becoming increasingly unlikely that he would still be alive under any scenario. Um, Right. A lot of people like to just jump to the joke that he would be incredibly overweight and didn't lead a healthy lifestyle. But, you know, maybe if he did fake his death, he would be trying to clean up his act, you know, and live a simpler life. Um, so who knows? Maybe he'd live longer being an unknown. You know? uh, but, um, yeah, like I said, like I said at the beginning of all of this, everything old is new again. I mean, I never thought I'd see the alien autopsy videos coming back and being taken seriously, but that happened a year or two ago, you know, (laughs) uh, um, things seem to be cyclical. So who knows, maybe we'll have one last, last hurrah with, uh, with the Elvis is alive stuff or, you know, Elvis will show up as a ghost or come off of a maybe sauce. maybe from this show uh yeah we'll start it all back up again yeah i mean uh we, there is there is some kind of a magical element to it to get out to the way weirdest stuff uh my friend sarah and i she's she's the co-host of the two witches podcast um which is a, a pretty pretty damn cool podcast so I'll throw her a plug out there but we, we had a bunch of weird elvis related synchronicities leading up to this I didn't realize how big a fan she was when she was growing up, but she's helped me with a lot of uh, putting my facts together leading up to this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
that map from the 91 TV special where it tracks the supposed Elvis sightings around the map. I was like, you know what? That looks like a sigil. We should, we should turn that into an Elvis summoning sigil, you know? So I talked to her uh, about that and it's up on our website now as, uh, as, <laughs> so who knows? We'll make it happen. We'll make it, we'll make an Elvis manifest, uh, uh, through, through, through magic or something. Excellent. Well, I think that's definitely a good place to stop. Is there anything else that you want to say about this that we might not have covered? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think I adequately explained the uh, the the numerology stuff as well, but I don't know how capable I am of that because I end up sounding like a crazy person when I do. But um, but that kind of lines up with with both the afterlife and UFO stuff. Um, basically, in in respect to the fact that the, this particular book, Cairo's Book of Numbers, spends a lot of time dealing specifically with Elvis's birthday, which is really strange because of all the days of the year, they spend a lot of time talking about January 8th um, because it's like a particularly fateful number to be born under. You know, so I think the numerology I, uh, I worked out based on this book um, with his name, with his birth name versus the name on his on his on his gravestone kind of indicates to me that he did that on purpose just to change the vibration of the number that he had to get away from the eight that he was born under and uh put him on a different path of destiny and uh change the overall number from a six to a seven so yeah here we go that's that sounded crazy because <laughs> I can't explain the numerology, but but I don't know. There are there, there are interesting things with the numbers in there, and it does kind of line up with the whole idea that he's in school in the afterlife to move to a higher level of consciousness, or that um, you know uh, that's tied into the 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 UFO angle. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I guess the basic crux of it is that that uh, there's a hell of a lot of weirdness around, around Elvis and it's out there. If you want to go look for it, (laughs) uh, um, I tend to think I would hope, I would hope he survived 1977. And I would, I would like to think that he, uh, um, managed to live, live a peaceful life and do what he wanted to do away from the public eye. That's kind of what I, what I hope for him. So, uh, um, I don't, I don't know what it is that I believe anymore. I'm really questioning a lot of reality after all this research. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think after tonight, you probably will need to back away. Yeah, anything, I've seen too much. Anything I've else? Seen too much looked into the mouth of madness. It's, it's, it's just gotten completely Lovecraftian at this point, and yeah, pretty much. That's what it's wormed <laughs> its way in there. <laughs> I, uh, I hope people have fun listening to this anyway. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I do appreciate you having me on. Um, uh, I, I hope this was this this was fun to, for you to hear all the stuff, and I hope the listeners really enjoy enjoy all the Elvis weirdness here. So, I I definitely think so. Yeah. I I think th- I think that they will, and. Um, this has been very enlightening, AP. Uh, where can people get in touch with you, find you, um, all that good stuff? Find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Um, I'm at a prodigiosis on there. Uh, 
because mm-hmm. I like things to be nice and easy for people. But if you just search AP Strange, you should find me or at APRO, I'll pop up. Uh, I have APstrange.com as the blog. Uh, don't I, I don't update it that often, but the most recent post on there is uh, it's about the Bugs Bunny UFO connection. And uh, <laughs> uh, and you can find my other stuff on there about the Ashtar command um you know broadcast intrusion that i talked about last time i was on right right that was last year yeah very interesting stuff i mean it's been been very informative um you know good gosh almighty what an interesting show yeah (laughs) i I was kind of thinking about like when we did the you talk about the ouija board i was thinking like you take like the peanut butter or banana sandwich and put it in the middle and that's like the planchette Uh, uh, yeah oh that's like that's a great idea actually because we were thinking about doing it as an offering but you know we have pets so (laughs) you have a small dog and you have a cat you know it's it's tough to keep an offering out but uh as a planchette it could work you know yeah yeah. Yeah, you should do that you should totally do that this has been very interesting uh i'm going to close out the show here uh thank you guys for listening to this episode of conspiracy normal um, it's been very interesting. Sergio will be back next week. We're going to have Steve Stockton on talking about his the first book of his uh, National Park Disappearances stories. Uh, also, uh, Patreon, www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Come join us there. we got a lot of great stuff going back all the way to 2016. Uh, AP Strange here is actually a $10 member. He is a member of the Mystic Crew and has hung out with us at um, those hangouts that we do every month, which I think the next one will be coming up here in a few weeks. And also Strange Realities tickets, those are available uh, from Eventbrite. The link will be here on the show notes. Uh, That is both online and in person in Nashville, Tennessee, October 15th, 16th through 17th. All right. Special thanks to you, Mr. Strange. See everybody next time on Conspiranormal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.